0: Thanks for your company. I'm Dr. Barry Harker, and this is The Bible Teachers. We are continuing the search for certainty with Pastor Danny Malenkov. This is the 13th program in the series. Hello, Danny. Hi, Barry. Danny, where are we going today? We've had a couple of very uh, serious topics. Are we continuing in that vein? Absolutely. Uh, Today, we're going to be taking a look at the world Superpower, the United States. And we're going to take a look at what the Bible says about the United States' power, its influence, and the role that it will play at the end of time. So, an incredibly important subject and very, very relevant, as we'll discover. Over to you, Danny. Thank you. Welcome to the Search for Certainty. Today's message is entitled Expect the Unexpected. The last time we were together, we looked at the subject of the mark of the beast and the seal of God. We discovered that at the end of time, there would only be two groups in the world. One group would receive the mark of the beast and sadly, they will be lost. The other group will receive the seal of God. Those who have given their faith and trust into the hands of Christ and they make up the redeemed. In the end, if you have the mark of the beast, you will be able to buy and sell and go about your life as you would. If you don't have the mark of the beast, you won't be able to buy or sell. We've discovered thus far that in Revelation, there are three all important questions that need to be answered when it comes to end time issues. The third angel's message in Revelation chapter 14 verses 9 to 11 makes it absolutely clear that under no circumstances are we to worship the beast or to worship the image of the beast or to receive the mark of the beast. Now, we have discovered that a beast in Bible prophecy represents a kingdom or a nation, a power. The beast of Revelation 13, this first beast that comes up out of the sea, we have discovered is describing the Roman Catholic Church or the Roman papacy. Once again, we need to be very clear. I shared this the last time we were together, and I want to re-emphasize it at this point in time also. When God is pointing out a power, He's not speaking of the individuals that are part and parcel of that institution. God here is speaking of a system. He's speaking of an organization that has set itself up against God against his word and has taken on board the prerogatives that belong to God alone so God here is is looking at a system the Roman Catholic Church as a system as a power and not the people who are part of this church the the some 1.2 billion Roman Catholics around the world last time we were together we unpacked the mark of the beast. We discovered that the mark of the church of Rome's authority is Sunday worship, that the church has changed the day of worship from Saturday to Sunday. And so the church acknowledges that this change for which there is no scripture is the mark of her authority. We also discovered that there will come a day when Sunday worship, the mark of the beast or the mark of the church's authority will be enforced all around the world. Now, this seems impossible, absolutely impossible, especially in democratic countries. So, how will it happen? That's the all-important question. The Bible Talks about the image of the beast. That's there in the third angel's message. What is the image of the beast? Expect the unexpected. This is what we want to find out today. So let's pause for a moment and pray. Father in heaven, we ask and pray that as we open your word, that you will open our hearts and our minds, and that we may be able to discern the message that you have for us. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's begin reading in Revelation chapter 13. And verse 1. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now, as I've already pointed out in the introduction, this beast here represents the Roman papacy. Now, this is not a new idea, this is not something that has been brought to Our attention in the last few years. In fact, the papacy has been seen as this first beast of Revelation 13 by many reformers all the way down through history. Individuals such as Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Haas, Jerome, Wycliffe, William Tyndale, Ulrich Zwingli, John Wesley, uh, George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards. And a host of others have pinpointed the papacy as this first beast based on the books of Daniel and Revelation in particular that the Bible clearly identifies this beast as the papacy. So let's keep on reading in verse 2. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne and great authority. Verse 3, And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. And then notice, And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. This is an incredible passage. Verse 3 is absolutely incredible. The Bible tells us that the Roman church state would suffer what would appear to be a mortal wound. Now, when someone is mortally wounded, they have died or they are dead. But the Bible says that his deadly wound would be healed, that that this power would have a miraculous resurrection. And not just that it would be resurrected, but the Bible says all the world would marvel and follow after the beast. Now, let's take a look at a little bit of history. We've discovered from the past that the papacy began its reign in 538 AD when the Ostrogoths, the last of the Aryan kingdoms to oppose the Roman church, were overthrown. It reigned according to the Bible in Daniel and Revelation. The Bible tells us that this power would reign for 1260 days a day representing a year in Bible prophecy, or 1,260 years. And the reign of the Church of Rome came to an end. That deadly wound that Revelation 13 speaks of was inflicted in 1798 when Napoleon's General Berthier took the Pope, Pope Pius VI, captive. It was a time when most of Europe believed that the papacy had come to an end, that the Pope and the papacy was dead, that no longer would the Church of Rome have the incredible influence that it had in Europe during the Dark Ages in particular. But Revelation 13.3 is very clear. Although the Church would receive a deadly wound, the whole world... Would marvel and follow the beast. This deadly wound would be healed. Now, this has not taken place before in human history when it comes to powers that have ruled here on planet Earth. In fact, you'll remember, we shared about this a long, long time ago the prophecy in Daniel 2, where God outlines the history of the world from the time of Daniel and the kingdom of Babylon all the way through to our day and to the coming of Jesus. We have Babylon rise and then Babylon falls. We have Medo-Persia rises to power and then falls. We have Greece comes onto the scene of history, rises to power and then falls. We have Rome rules the world for some 600 years and then falls once again. All these powers, they rose and they fell, never again to rise But here we have the papacy, the Roman Catholic Church that rises to power, reigns for over a millennium and then receives this deadly wound in 1798 but yet the Bible says unlike any other power in human history this power would have a resurrection this power would rise again and not only would it rule in Western Europe but the Bible tells us that the whole world would marvel and follow after this beast power would marvel and follow after the dictates of Rome incredible unprecedented Well, when did the papacy's wound begin to heal? When did this healing begin? You remember the wound was received in 1798? Well, just over a 100 years from then, on February 11, 1929, the Prime Minister of Italy, Benito Mussolini, signed a concordat granting the Pope full authority over the state of Vatican, there in the city of Rome. So once again... The Pope was both a monarch as well as a priest, both a political as well as a religious leader. The newspapers of the day uh, had this to say, and this comes to us from the San Francisco Chronicle of the time. The Roman question tonight was a thing of the past, and the Vatican was at peace with Italy. In affixing the autographs to the memorable document, healing the wound, that's straight from the newspaper, using the terminology... Of Revelation 13 verse 3 Extreme cordiality was displayed on both sides I had the opportunity to go to the Vatican in 2010 And I discovered that as far as the Church of Rome is concerned 1929 is a big deal It's a huge deal They had there in uh, the the Vatican uh, shop or store there Where you can buy uh, various souvenirs and stamps and postcards and so forth They had this this coin, this huge coin. It was worth 2,000 euro. I didn't have the money, and it would have been uh, too many kilograms to put in my luggage. I would love to have purchased it, but I took a photo of it instead. And on this coin, we have the 80th anniversary celebrated of this incredible event when the Church of Rome received its political and... Religious, Well, it had religious authority, but it received its political authority from the Italian government, and it could rule in its own right. From 1929 to 2009, 80 years had passed, and this coin, this huge coin commemorated the 80-year anniversary. So this is a big deal. Now, today, the papacy has gained worldwide influence, prestige, and prominence. I don't need to tell you that. You have seen the the incredible popularity of our most recent pope, Pope Francis. He has only reigned as Pope for just over a couple of years. And yet in those two years um, on Time magazine, he has been on the front cover, not once, not twice, but three times. In fact, there is no other religious leader in the world that has such prominence uh, to be able to reach out to not only the religious leaders of the world, but also the political leaders of the world. The Bible tells us all the world marveled And followed after the beast. Now, how will this happen? It seems extraordinary, even though the the papacy and the Pope himself are extremely popular in this day and age. It just seems ludicrous to think that not just in Western Europe, but right around the world, the entire world population, the governments of the world, will give their allegiance to the Church of Rome and will follow after the dictates and the authority of Rome. It just does not seem believable. How will it happen? Well, the Bible tells us. Revelation chapter 13 not only speaks of this first beast or the Roman papacy, which we read of in Revelation 13 verses 1 to 10, but in verse 11 we have the description of another beast, a second beast. This beast comes up out of the earth. And I'm going to read these verses and then we're going to seek to unpack them from verse 11 all the way through to verse 17. So if you have your Bible, I'd invite you at this point in time to, to follow with me as I read Revelation 13 verses 11 to 17. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb. And spoke like a dragon, and he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Let's just pause here for a moment. There is a power the Bible describes this power that arises out of the earth. are we're going to unpack what all that means, but this power will cause or force the entire earth to worship the first beast, and it, and, it, and, and it helps us understand who this first beast is whose deadly wound was healed, none other than the Roman papacy. Let's keep reading. I'm in verse 13. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast. Telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast. We're going to unpack that today. What does it mean? when the Bible says it will make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived verse 15 he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed so can you see the image of the beast is a key issue it appears not once not twice but four times in these two verses let's keep reading verse 16 he causes all both small and great rich and poor free and slave to receive a mark on their their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, let's unpack these verses. Who is this lamb like beast that arises out of the earth? Let's take a look at what verse 11 says. Let's read verse 11 before we go any further. Verse 11 Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. My dear friends, this power this beast, this kingdom that arises out of the earth is none other than the United States of America. It is the United States of America that will give the power that will give the authority that will cause the entire world population to worship and to follow the dictates of Rome. Now, are you sure, Danny? Are you sure that this is speaking of the United States of America? Well, let's take a look at what the Bible says and let's take a look at these identification marks that we find here and let's see if these identification marks do indeed square up with the United States of America as being this lamb-like beast. Firstly, the United States, according to this prophecy, would arise at a specific time in earth's history. Now, how do I know that? Notice how verse 11 begins. What's that first word in verse 11? Then. Then. Well, when is then? Well, Let's take a look at the previous verses for the context. Revelation 13, verse 9 and 10. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Here is a description of this first beast, the Roman church state, that the Bible says would be led into captivity. Now, at what time? Did the Roman church state receive that deadly wound? It was in 1798. February 15, 1798. When Napoleon's General Berthier took the Pope prisoner. 1798. Now, what took place in the United States around that period of 1798? Notice. The United States declared its independence in 1776, it voted through the Constitution in 1789, and it adopted the Bill of Rights in 1791. And at that point in time, it was recognized as a nation within its own right by many countries. And I understand, based on my research, that France was the very first country to recognize the United States of America as a separate country. This all took place around that period of 1798. So that first specification mark is fulfilled. Let's go to the next one. The United States would arise in a sparsely populated area. Now, how do I know that? Notice what the Bible says. It says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. Now, the first beast, the Roman church state, according to Revelation 13, verse 1, arises out of the sea. Now, in Revelation 17 and verse 15, we don't have time to read it, but you can go and read that a little later. It says there that the sea represents peoples, multitudes, nations and tongues. The sea represents lots of people. So what's the opposite to the sea? That's not rocket science. It's the land, the land. So if the sea represents a lot of people or, or a kingdom that arises in a heavily populated area, well, then the land would represent a kingdom or a nation that would arise in a sparsely populated area. Did the United States of America arise in a sparsely populated area? Absolutely. It arose in the new world, not in the old world. Let's go to point number three. The United States would have great power and authority. We read earlier that this power, the United States would cause all, both small and great, rich and poor, to receive the mark of the beast on their forehand or on their forehead if they wanted to buy and sell. Revelation 13 on three occasions points out that this power, would cause or force, that's another word for cause, force the entire world to make an image to the beast. We're going to get to the image of the beast in a moment. But let's ask the question. And I don't think we need to really think long and hard regarding the answer. Is the United States today a great power in the world and does it have tremendous authority? The answer is absolutely yes. The United States is the world superpower, the lone world superpower. As someone once said, when Wall Street sneezes, the entire world catches a nasty cold. We all know what happens when when Wall Street falls. Stock markets around the world tumble. The United States, according to Time magazine, back in 1997, front cover Question, has America become a global bully? And the United States is powerful, no doubt about it. Whichever way you look at it, whether it be politically, economically, militarily, um, technology, you name it, the United States is the power force in the world. So this identification is well and truly fulfilled by the United States of America. Let's continue reading. It says that this beast that comes up out of the earth had two horns like a lamb, like a lamb. Now, in the New Testament, a lamb represents Jesus. In fact, on 33 occasions, the New Testament uses the word lamb. In all these occasions, the word for lamb represents Jesus. In fact, in Revelation we have 29 instances where lamb represents Jesus so this nation is described as having Christ like features now you may remember what Jesus said he said in Matthew 11:28 come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest isn't that beautiful Notice the words that we have on the Statue of Liberty, penned by Emma Lazarus in a beautiful poem. Give me your tide, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, Tempest tossed to me, I left my lamp beside the golden door. Notice this poem beautifully illustrates the words of Jesus, who said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And the United States has been a safe haven ever since its beginnings for people from all around the world who have come fleeing political or religious persecution. They have come to a place where they can enjoy freedom of religion, where they do not need to be discriminated against because of their political views. They can live freely and they can live in a way that that ensures their religious freedoms. I love what President Abraham Lincoln had to say, her father's, Uh, Speaking of the fathers of the United States of America who founded this great nation, her fathers brought forth upon this continent a nation conceived in liberty. And that is why. That statue in New York Harbor is called the Statue of Liberty. The United States was built on the principles of Christ. And Christ is not in the business of forcing worship. He is not in the business of causing people to honor him and to worship him. Christ says, come to me if you are laboring and you are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Christ invites us to worship him from the heart. He only accepts worship from the heart, never forced worship, never through deception, only from the heart. Well, the Bible says that this beast would have two horns like a lamb. Now, what does a horn represent? A horn represents a kingdom or the principle of a kingdom. Notice there are no crowns on these horns. There is no crown on, on this beast power, the United States. Why no crowns? Because crowns are worn by kings and queens. The United States would have a government very, very different to the governments of the old world, the governments of Western Europe. It would be a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. These two horns represent the two founding principles of the United States that has made it the greatest nation in the history of the world. More influence and more power and more authority than any other country that has ever existed in human history. Notice these two all-important foundational principles that have brought such great homage and power. To the United States. It would be founded on republicanism, which is a government without a king, hence, there are no crowns on the horns of this beast, and Protestantism, a church without a pope. You see, those who fled from the old world to the new world to the United States, they knew the dangers, they knew the consequences of when the church and the state would get together and when the church would call upon the state to enforce religious laws that the church had come up with and if you didn't go with those religious laws you were persecuted your your possessions were taken from you your children were taken from you and ultimately your very life was taken from you we know that down through the ages that's one of the reason why they called the dark ages the dark ages is because of that of the terrible persecution that took place where hundreds, thousands, millions, it's estimated that some 50 million people were killed as the church and the state came together and enforced religious worship. Individuals who were killed for no other reason other than they wanted to worship God according to the dictates of their conscience based on God's word. And so the United States of America fought a war to be independent from the old world, to be independent from church and state and to declare that this is a land where individuals are free to practice their religion according to the dictates of their conscience. In fact, notice these words from the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Now, do you know what those are? Those are rights that cannot be taken away from you. Those are rights. They are God-given rights that belong to you and no one can take them away from you. Notice what these inalienable rights are. The Declaration of Independence continues with these words, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Aren't these just beautiful Christ-like characteristics? That's why the Bible describes this power as coming up out of the earth, and it is lamb-like, it is Christ-like. Notice these words from the Constitution penned in 1789. Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So clear. The government has no, has no mandate to tell you what you should believe or to prohibit you from believing what you would want to believe when it comes to religious matters. Notice what George Washington had to say in 1789. Every man conducting himself as a good citizen and being accountable to God alone for his religious opinions ought to be protected in worshipping the deity according to the dictates of his own good conscience. And I love this about the United States of America. That you are able to practice your religion freely. If you're Muslim, you can practice Islam. If you're a Hindu, you can practice your faith. A Buddhist, a Jew, a Christian, a Catholic, an Orthodox. If you don't have any religion at all, you can practice that. If you want to worship if you want to worship your dog, you're free to worship your dog. Whatever you want to do, you are free to do. That is why we have the separation of church and state in the United States of America. And our Western democracy is based on this principle of freedom of religion, the separation of church and state. Australia, the land that I am blessed to be a citizen of, is founded on these principles of freedom of religion for all. In fact, Jesus recognized these two kingdoms. He recognized the, the importance and the authority of the state and the government, and he recognized that the authority of God and the two had to remain separate. In Matthew 22 and verse 17 and onwards, we read these words. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius, and he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. Notice, as far as Jesus was concerned, there are things that belong to Caesar, or there are things that belong to the government. We need to obey the government in 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 all things, except for when it comes to religious matters. Jesus was clear. Render unto Caesar the things that belong to Caesar and render unto God the things that belong to God. What are the things that belong to God? The things that belong to God are those matters concerning worship. Take a look at the Ten Commandments for one moment. The Ten Commandments are divided into two tablets. You have the first four commandments dealing with worship towards God. And that is between you and God alone. The state has no authority over how you worship God, when you worship God, why you worship God. The next six commandments deal with your relationship with one another. Your relationship towards the possessions of others, how we treat the sanctity of life, family, marriage, and so on and so forth. The state or the government has authority over these matters. If you murder someone, the government has a right to punish you. If you steal, the government has a right to enforce its laws and so on and so forth. The United States, the Bible tells us, would have two horns like a lamb. Two horns like a lamb. It would be Christ-like. However, sadly, that is not the end of this scripture. When we come back, we will discover the tragic ending of this nation that began so well, yet will end up speaking and working on behalf of the enemy when we come back. If you have any questions or comments in relation to today's program, you can call 3ABM Australia Radio within Australia on 02. 4973 3456 Or from outside of Australia on country code 612 4973 3456 Our email address is radio at 3abn That is radio at the number 3ABN Australia All one word org.au Our postal address is 3ABN Australia Inc. P.O. Box 752, Morissette, New South Wales, 2264 Australia. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Welcome back. Well, we finished off by taking a look at this fifth identification mark of the United States that it would have two horns like a lamb but notice Revelation thirteen eleven. it continues on. I wish there was a full stop at the end of the word lamb, but there isn't a full stop. Instead, the next word that follows, and, notice these words, and spoke like a dragon. Wow. This lamb-like beast would speak like a dragon. Now, who is the dragon? According to Revelation 12 and verse 9, The Bible tells us, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan. The Bible tells us that the United States, that began so well, began with foundations that were Christ-like in every aspect of its governance, would one day turn around and act like the dragon, act like the enemy. And Satan... Unlike God, Satan is into coercion. He is into force. And that's why we have the word causes appear several times there in Revelation 13, describing the United States. Satan is in the business of force. And when that fails, he is in the business of deception. His two number one tactics are deception and force. He'll either begin with deception and move into force or he'll begin with force, and if that fails, he'll move to deception, one or the other, whereas God does not work like that. Well, let's ask the question, how does a nation speak? This this nation would speak like a dragon. A nation speaks through its laws and legislative body. In the United States, the nation speaks through its Supreme Court, the Supreme Court that has nine judges that determine the Constitution and the interpretation of the Constitution. Now, what is the image of the beast? Revelation 14 makes it very clear that God's end-time people will not worship the image of the beast, even though the entire world population will go along And worship the image of the beast, God's end time people will not worship the image of the beast. Now, what is the image of the beast? You and I are not at liberty to come up with our own interpretation, our own views, to go onto the internet and to take a look at the the thousands and the millions of websites that have got all sorts of different views and ideas on what the image of the beast is, you and I are to study Scripture and we are to find our answers on Scripture. Now, I've already shared with you in the past that the books of Daniel and Revelation go hand in hand. When you don't quite understand something in Revelation, or you don't have all the pieces of the puzzle, go to the book of Daniel, and there you will find the rest of the pieces in order to help you understand the picture of truth that God is seeking to share with you. Now, when we think of the image of the beast, our mind's Go back to Daniel, and in Daniel we have an image that was erected by King Nebuchadnezzar. Do you remember that image made of gold? It's there in Daniel chapter 3. You go and read Daniel chapter 3, and there is an image there that is erected by King Nebuchadnezzar. And everyone is forced to worship this image. And if you do not worship the image of the beast, you will be killed. Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were thrown into the fiery flames. But you'll remember the story. There was someone there. There was a fourth person in those flames who protected them, and they came out unscathed. So here we have this image of the beast, and it is forced worship. It's when the government enforces worship, false worship, Now, in Daniel, we not only have the government enforcing false worship, but in Daniel chapter 6, we have the government, the Babylonian government, prohibiting true worship. These two are key points. You remember the United States Constitution? The United States Constitution, the very First Amendment, is clear. Government will not Prohibit worship Or will not enforce worship Here in Daniel chapter 3 and chapter 6 We have worship enforced As well as prohibited So the Bible tells us Revelation tells us Not Danny But Revelation tells us There will come a time When the United States of America Will once again Resurrect Forced worship will resurrect the prohibition of true worship according to God's word. Now has this taken place? Absolutely. In the dark ages, the government prescribed worship according to the dictates of the church. And if you did not go along with what the church said you ought to do when it came when it comes to religious matters and matters of worship, You were punished by the government and the government, in fact, enabled the church of Rome to punish those who were deemed to be heretics. The church and the state got together in the dark ages and punishment resulted for God's people who would not worship against their conscience. This also happened in the time of Christ. You'll remember the religious leaders of Christ's day got together with the Roman authorities and together they put Christ on the cross. That is why the United States has been established on the separation of church and state. Let me read to you those words once again from the Constitution. Congress, and this is the very First Amendment, this is the very foundation of the United States. I cannot believe it. Even as I'm sharing with you, my friends, I cannot believe that the United States the land of the free and the home of the brave, this land of liberty would one day destroy its very foundation of religious freedom. These are the words. There in the Constitution, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. But the Bible tells us that this will take place. Today in the United States, the Constitution is challenged. On the front cover of Time magazine several years ago, these words appeared. Does the U.S. Constitution still matter? Well, how will the wall of separation between church and state finally crumble that will lead the United States to enforce worship worldwide? That will lead the United States to force the entire world to worship according to the dictates of the church of Rome. Revelation is clear on that. That will take place. How will that take place? Well, the Bible tells us in Luke 21 and verse 26, Jesus' words, speaking of the end times, Jesus says, At the end time, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. At the moment, the above scenario, that of forced worship and prohibiting true worship, this scenario seems far-fetched at best. However, let me share with you the truth that given the right world conditions, based on history, people are willing to give up their most basic rights if they are told that their peace and their safety will be guaranteed. I believe, my friends, and Scripture says that in a time of unprecedented world crises, the governments around the world will come to the conclusion that they do not have the resources they need to avert global chaos and catastrophe. And at this point, the Bible tells us that Satan will use signs and wonders and, and great miracles in order to deceive the whole world that their only hope is to follow the dictates of the Church of Rome that will come up with the solution for how we are to deal with the immense challenges that this world faces. Now, let me ask you, my friend, do we face great challenges today in the world? You take a look at the world from a political point of view, an economic point of view, a social point of view, an environmental point of view. You name it. This world is crumbling. The world leaders do not have the solutions in order to deal with the, with the titanic problems that this world faces. So if governments don't have the solution, who does? Where do we turn to? If the government can't help you, where do you go, my friend? Where do you go? There is only one place to go, and that is to God. Isn't that right? If the government can't help you, you go to God. And who on this earth claims to represent God on earth? It's the Pope. Isn't that right? The Pope claims to be the representative of God on earth. The papacy claims to be the voice of God on earth. Today, the papacy is putting out many statements, encyclicals. There was one encyclical put out by Pope Benedict before he resigned, calling for a new world order, calling for a restructuring of the financial system. This was in light of the 2008 global financial crisis. Just recently, Pope Francis has put out a 183-page encyclical on the environment Today, the environmental issues are front and center. Many world leaders, as well as those who are heading up the United Nations, see the environmental issues that we face as the greatest challenge for humans, the survival of the planet. And so Pope Francis is coming up with a solution of how we tackle these challenges. So the Church of Rome is coming up with a solution. And so when governments fail to come up with a solution based on politics, I believe, and the Bible says, they will head to the religious leaders. They will head to the religious leader. Now, let's find out if the United States of America... And the Vatican are indeed drawing closer together in order to form a most unlikely alliance, just as Revelation has predicted. Now, this is just so incredible, my friend, because the United States, the United States, when those first pilgrims arrived there in 1620 on the Mayflower, the United States was founded by Christians who were fleeing the persecution in the old world. They wanted to move away from religious persecution. They wanted to move away from the state of affairs where the church and the state were in control together. And so the United States was so far away from the church of Rome in its inception, so, so, so far away. But are these Two kingdoms separate. Are these two kingdoms on opposite ends of the spectrum today? Well, in 1992, Time magazine came up with this incredible front cover. How Reagan and the Pope conspired to assist Poland's solidarity movement and hasten the demise of communism. The grand title of that particular Time magazine in 1999 was entitled Holy Alliance, Holy Alliance. The pontiff and the president, President Reagan at the time, came together and together, together they planned the demise of communism. Did communism come crumbling down in such a short space of time? The world was shocked how quickly the wall came down. How quickly that Berlin Wall came crumbling down. It all just happened overnight when these two powers came together. Back in 2005, I looked at the front page of the Herald Sun, Friday, April 8, 2005, and I was absolutely gobsmacked, gobsmacked, stunned. Stunned as on the front page of the Herald Sun was a picture. Talk about a picture telling a thousand words. There at the funeral of Pope John Paul II, as he was lying there in state, we have three presidents of the United States of America. We have President Bush Jr., President Bush Sr., and President Clinton along with Laura Bush, the president's wife, the sitting president at the time, his wife, they were kneeling. Did you hear me? They were kneeling before the dead pontiff for five minutes, giving their respect. That has not happened at any other time in U.S. history where three presidents have come to Rome to give homage, to pay their respect, to... The pontiff who has passed away. If somebody would have said that to me, maybe 10 years before this event, that that would take place, I would have laughed. I would have said, absolutely impossible. You're crazy. You're out of your mind. But it happened. And we watched and we saw history. We saw prophecy being fulfilled On the front cover of Time magazine, April 14, 2008, I'm just giving you just a few illustrations. There are so many more. We don't have time for all that. April 14, 2008, uh, the front cover of Time magazine, Why the Pope Loves America. This was before Pope Benedict made his first visit to the United States of America. And this was the subtitle, The American Pope. The American Pope. Oh, I, just, I just couldn't believe it. I'm sure the authors of, of Time Magazine weren't even aware of the significance of those words. But anyway, notice these words. The, 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 these words followed. On the eve of Benedict XVI's first papal visit to the United States, a revealing look at his long fascination with America. And notice these words. And how it is shaping his vision for the world. Wow. I wonder, I really do wonder if, if, the, if the author of these words uh, understood the incredible significance, the incredible prophetic significance. Well, this year, my friends, this year, um, the Pope, Pope Francis, for the very first time in U.S. history, he will be making well he'll be making his first visit to the United States of America as the pontiff and for the first time in history he has been invited by both houses of congress to address to address the government leaders of the United States of America this has never happened before in the history of the United States of America, he will also meet with with President Obama, and um, he will also speak at the United Nations. And so, there are incredible, incredible prophetic events taking place, and we don't have time to to look at all these. But let me say, my friends, that the words of Revelation 13 are fast fulfilling before our very eyes, as we take a look at the incredible events on the front pages of our newspapers, the news headlines night by night that we watch. My friend, it is absolutely evident, as clear as the nose on your face, as clear as the noonday sun, that these final events in Bible prophecy that were predicted by God through his servant John some two millennia ago are being fulfilled And they are not only being fulfilled, they are being fulfilled in rapid succession. Indeed, my friends, these final movements are rapid ones, very, very rapid ones. Today, we are watching world religions coming together. Today, my friends, we are watching Pope Francis bringing the Orthodox, the Catholics, the Evangelicals, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, you name them, even those that don't believe. Pope Francis is a man for all seasons, a man for all people. He is seen as the peacemaker. There is so much more I could share with you, but this this individual, Pope Francis, in the last two and a bit years of his reign as pontiff, he has done more to unify the world, he has done more to unify the religions of the world. He has been more prominent and more influential in political circles than any other pontiff in this short space of time. Bible prophecy tells us. Let's take a look at those words again. Revelation thirteen three. after all that we've said. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. How much of the world? All the world. Not most of the world, but all the world marveled and followed the beast. Now, there will come a time when that deadly wound will be completely healed. That deadly wound will be completely healed when worship is enforced. When this image to the beast and this image is that which was the image in the dark ages. You know what an image is, a spitting image. If I say I'm a spitting image of my father, that means I look like my father. This image of the beast that will be erected at the end of time is this same image that was erected during the dark ages when church and state came together. This same image that was erected at the time of Christ when the religious leaders and the political leaders came together. It's this same image that was erected in the time of Daniel when the government enforced worship in Daniel 3 and when the government prohibited true worship in Daniel chapter 6. This same image of forced worship when the government and the state come together will be enforced and will come into play at the end of time. My friends, it's time now for you and for me to make our decision for Christ. The Bible clearly says that all who dwell on the earth will worship the beast except, listen to me carefully, except for a few. Let's read Revelation 13 and verse 8. Revelation 13 and verse 8. Listen to these words very carefully, my friend. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, that is this first beast, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Notice, if your name does not appear in the Lamb's book of life, that Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth, you will have no other option other than to worship according to the dictates of Rome. You will have no other option other than to worship contrary to God's plan for your life. My friends, we need to make a choice. There will only be two choices at the end of time, and you will need to make one. You will either worship Christ as your creator, or you will worship that which man has erected in honor to the creature. Ultimately, there will be Christ and there will be Satan, Christ and his commandments, Christ and his word, Christ and his Sabbath, or there will be Man and his traditions. Man and his commandments. Man and his day of worship, which is Sunday. You and I must make a choice. We must make a choice whom we will serve. Joshua pleaded with the people. He challenged the people. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And Joshua said, but as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. On Mount Carmel, Elijah challenged the people, how long will you waver between two opinions? If God is God, serve him. If Baal is God, serve him. My friends, we must make a decision. We must make a decision whom we will serve. And I'm hoping and I'm praying, I'm, I'm, I'm praying with, with all the intensity I can muster on your behalf that you will make a decision for Jesus, that you'll make a decision to worship the one who was slain from the foundation of the world, to worship the one who gave his life for you, Jesus Christ, to worship Jesus Christ, to worship him in spirit and in truth, to give him your heart, to give him your life. My friend, it's come time for us to to pray and to ask God to bless our time together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Father, for your word that helps us to know that we are indeed living at the very end of time when we see these incredible prophecy being fulfilled before our very eyes. Oh, it's my prayer, Father, that we will keep close to Jesus. It's my prayer, Father, that we will endeavor by the grace of God and through the love of Jesus to have our names written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, Lord, it's my prayer that we will worship Jesus Christ and him alone. This is my prayer for each and every person who is listening to my voice this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.